Grand Tunis. Um, that, that's actually the. But either way. With Mo, I think we should discuss Messi, man. Honestly, well, might as well. Yeah, like let's let's, let's start there, man. man. I nearly cried. You nearly cried? Cause wait, you're a Barcelona fan, aren't you? Yeah. So, so first of all, I I like everyone else didn't see this coming. Like I thought this was a done deal. I thought it was already a done deal too. I. Now I'm going to walk into conspiracy theory mode here. Okay, so I, yeah, I think I think you're thinking what I'm thinking here too. Yeah, but I, I want you to I, say it. I legitimately think both Barcelona and Messi agreed last season. Remember last season they had beef between yes. uh, the two of them. And I yeah, because there were the rumors for him to PSG and then the City last year. Exactly, yeah. it was City last last year. Last mm-hmm. year was City, and then. You know, Aguero leaves to go to Barcelona, and I and remember, PSG and City are owned by the same conglomerate. Yeah. Yes. So I legitimately think what happened was they basically had a side conversation and said, "Yeah, yeah, just you know what, um, stay with the team, um, stay with the team for the year, and then instead of re-signing, you know, you come over to us because." Let's be honest. I was looking at how much money the guy gets paid. Excuse me. 1.4 million pounds. Oh, sorry. 1.4 million euros a week. Bro. So I was I was looking at it. I'm like, why is it my new... You know, when you're looking at the list of clubs that were, you know, linked with them, quote-unquote. Yeah. I was like, why isn't Chelsea involved? Why isn't United involved? Why isn't... Um, bro, 1.4 million? Like, my news, people complain about my new trying to get a Pogba on 400k. I'm like, dude, 1.4 million means that's the point four is Pogba's. Uh, and yeah, people say, like, you know, you'll get all the money back in terms of like um, revenue. revenue and stuff that comes yeah. from him, endorsements and so on. I don't think so, bro. I actually think Messi. Legitimately, and, I'm, and I know it sounds crazy to say this, I think Messi's a liability at 1.4 million. I think, I think at one, at maybe 1 million, sure. Like 1 million, okay, but not 1.4 million. Because financial fair play would have kicked in if they were making it, if they were breaking in millions upon millions of. Because remember, that's 52 million plus yeah. I. 52 million plus a year. So you need to, if you're bringing in 400 million, that 400 million needs to be directly associated to Messi. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is all like, okay, what else are we doing? You know? Yeah. What, what other, how are we breaking this down? But man, so what do you think about Barcelona, Mo? Like, what do you think Barcelona is going to look like? Huh? And they're finished. Barca's finished. They're finished? The next couple of years, they're, they're finished. Uh, they're going to experience what uh, these teams experience. What's the name? Real Madrid? Or and Real Madrid? Liverpool, you know? Yeah, they're going to go on a very huge slope. Downward trending slope for a while. Mm. Yeah. 
But then I hate that stuff. Every team has gone through. Once they lose That's their true. players, they just go down from there. You know, and they lose their coaches as well. Same thing happened to Liverpool, Everton, you know, all those things. They eventually go down once they lose their big names. And Barcelona was ridiculously stupid for what like the money they put into the squad was a waste. It was a complete waste and they didn't think it through. Mm. They put their they dug their own grits. To be honest, they dug their own grits. You know? See, I agree with you there, Mo, but at the same time, I'm almost thinking as if, like, because everything we assumed was agreed, right? All the reports are saying that. And my thing that I'm thinking is, I want to take this back to, like, the last time we had a conversation where we were literally talking about the Super League, right? We know the team is financially hit and that. And for some reason, La Liga didn't accept the terms or would reject the terms for a contract. Like, I'm literally looking at this and saying, like, are you guys being this petty where you're just going to assume? And this is me speaking out loud. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was La Liga be like, oh, you, because they haven't actually, like, not with, because there's still, like, three clubs who haven't withdrawn from, like, that Super League idea yet, right? And this in Barcelona. Well, they said, they, uh, the last report I read, it said Real Madrid, Barcelona, Milan, Juventus. Yeah, that was Juve. Yeah. Yeah, the the four teams that have legitimately not said no to the Super League. All the English teams said, "Yeah, we're backing out. We're sorry." Yeah. But those four basically said, "Nah, we're still in this." Exactly. So, (laughs) so when I'm looking at what happens with Messi, and it's like, yes, you had an agreement in principle. I'm almost thinking in the back of my head, is the league saying, "Oh, but you're not fully committed here." So. Fair play, schmear play. Uh, we're not going to let this fly. We've let this slide for this long. We're not going to let this slide anymore. Yeah, but this is the thing. Uh, Super League cannot exist without the English teams. Just a fact. Agreed. The, the Premier League brings in, like, no jokes. What's the number? So this is the thing we need to remember. Barcelona, Real Madrid, I, I'll be honest, and it's such a true ploy as to how powerful these names are. But the moment Ronaldo left Real Madrid, I stopped caring. <laughs> Honestly. Like, I just stopped. Because Benzema, as good of a striker as he is, there are a million Benzemas out there. Aguero is just as good as Benzema. Lewandowski is better than Benzema. Lukaku is better than Benzema. Like, you can, you can yeah. legitimately make arguments about so many strikers like Benzema. Um, who cares about Modric? Modric is too old. Who cares about Cruz? Cruz is too old. Who, um, Casemiro is good, but who cares about a defensive midfielder? Marcelo is too old. Um, Vinicius Jr. is too young. You know, he's, he's too inconsistent. Yeah. Um, Asensio, whatever the heck happened to that guy. Like, the whole team is mediocre, except one guy. One or two guys. Then you look at, and then now the fact that they don't have a run anymore, they don't have Ramos anymore. Team's dead. Now I, look at Barcelona. Yeah, I think I think you're, Mo, you, I think you're you're becoming a prisoner of the moment here. But if you look at the, if you actually look at the team, you have Ter Stegen, I think top five goalkeepers. Yeah. PK is still there, a bit old, but you know who cares. Uh, I like Arau, the Uruguayan um, mm-hmm. fender. Busquets is still there. Griezmann's there. 
Okay. Uh, I like Memphis. And I think Memphis will start in Spain. Because Spain's system is so... Um, like the Spanish league is kind of slow in terms of defense. Yeah. And Memphis, I think, will just shine over that. Um, Dembele, I think, yeah, that's a fail. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Coutinho, that's a fail. Uh, I like Fati and Sufati. We're talking about mm-hmm. that. I like Alba. They have Aguero. They have De Jong. Like, outside of their defense, where, yes, they need a replacement for TT. Um, like, I actually think they have a very, 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 very good squad. But it's not a stellar squad. It's a squad that if I meet in the Champions League, I don't panic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not like, Champions League material. Yeah. yeah. You're not top tier Champions I think you are Champions No, they're round of 16. You're round of 16, round of... Uh, Knockout stage, I'll honestly. Round of 16. I'll put round of 16. Yeah. That's a yeah. fun. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I honestly, if I'm in the same group as them, and that's the thing, they also now, the question on looking at this team is, who's the leader going forward? If you say it's Busquets, I'm like, no one's afraid of Busquets. <laughs> like, as yeah. much as, as good as Busquets is, don't get me wrong, been one of the best defensive midfielders. He was the best defensive midfielder in 2009. This is 12 years yeah. later, bro. Like, what? I don't know, man. Like, their strike force looks scary, though, if you think about it. You have Griezmann, who I think will play, what, like the 10? And then Aguero up top. Left side... Memphis, uh, sorry, Depay, left side Depay, who's on the right side, Fatty, so you have Memphis, Depay, Fatty, Aguero. You said Memphis and Depay, so like, you uh, playing both now? So Depay, Depay on the left, Fatty on the right, striker Aguero, yeah. uh, attacking a uh, sort of second striker, uh, Griezmann. That's not mm. bad, man. Like with no, the right it's team, not bad. And the problem is their coach is actually someone I don't rate at all. Um, the Dutch guy, what's his name? Find these people. What's his name? I said I don't know where they find these coaches, man. But they should find somebody who's decent who can take. Kuman, the guy was in Everton. Like Kuman is. Yeah. Kuman's too defensive, man. Like uh, he's that's not. That's the problem, though. As long as yeah. you win matches, that's what matters. But you see, the issue is, who do you bring in? All the German coaches, I, they're not going to leave Germany. No. Yeah. Um, no and, and Barcelona, by the way, just like Real Madrid, and just like Manchester United, it's a toxic environment. You have to go in winning, off the rip. So, like, when I look at it, I'm like, eh, you know. But, yeah, I don't think this, honestly, I don't think the Super League I, the Super League is going to come back eventually, but I don't think it's going to be this season. So Barcelona oh, is yeah. going to be in a shit show for the next yeah. season. I'm just saying, it's it's the seeds of the league of being like, yeah, we're not going to be cooperative at all. Mm. Barcelona won't make the cut for the Super League anymore. You know, they, they, 
it just won't be that entertaining. Messi was Barcelona. Yeah, so that's, that's a very fair point. Ronaldinho, right? Then Ronaldinho, Henry, Eto, you know, fun people to watch. Because let's let's be honest, La Liga is a boring league. It is very boring. The only it, thing that made it interesting, Ronaldo and Messi. Their competitive picture made that thing like. And, and then you had the you had the the third horse being Atletico Madrid, Thank that you. Yeah. ultimately tried as much as possible to break that um, that, 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 that yeah. massive those massive teams. Yeah. But like, let's be honest, uh, they've been lacking behind. I think if you look at like no jokes, Inter Milan before uh, well as it currently stands, I think Lukaku's going to leave, and we'll talk about that. But like, oh, yeah. I think Inter Milan have a better squad than than um, than Barcelona right now. I honestly does, do. Does AC have a better squad than Barcelona right now? No, heck no. Mm-hmm. AC Milan's garbage. No, there's literally nothing. Just too soon. Yeah, one of Italians here, man. Inter's the only one I would say. Yeah. And I w- I would rather watch Atalanta than watch Barcelona. Honestly. But but that, most people who watch that league would rather watch Atalanta than. No, Atalanta is a fun team to watch. Exactly. It's like, bro, the way they play is insane. The utilization of wingbacks oh. and full like mm-hmm. it's just like next level, next yeah. level stuff in that game, that team. And here's Barcelona's biggest problem. Right. Mm. So, they've spent so much money mm. on like big name players and it all ended up backfiring. And the biggest problem is they have no way, no way of coming back from that. There's no plan in place to either adjust the team, getting good players, or even pick from their own uh, academy, mm. which they used to do a lot, you know? But uh, outside of Ansu Fati, I'm, I'm not really, I don't know how good the, the you know, I, you know, one of the things I, I, I've been saying of late, I don't think this whole thing of them getting from the academy stuff, like yeah. it only worked once very well. Like once. Let's be honest. And it's with Messi. Um, but the other ones, it's a majority of people coming in from the outside. I'm sorry, guys. Like it's a majority yeah. of people coming out from the outside that helped them. But- didn't uh, Iniesta come from the academy? Yes, he did. Yeah. But you see, but they didn't yeah. come at the same time. So yeah. if you lump, if you lump in a lot of players who are coming from straight from the academy, you need these guys to like. Tr- so like, think about it. Messi's Messi was Ronaldinho's understudy. So mm-hmm. you need someone who's at the top of their game. You know what I mean? You need someone at the top of their game. Nurturing the next talent. So Ansu Fati is actually an interesting one because he saw Messi. It'd be an interesting one to see how he develops. That's the only one. Yeah. We're seeing the same issue. We're seeing the same issue with. Um, we're seeing the same issue with Manchester United. With we have all these young players coming in, but because they don't have this like top tier guy who literally teaches them. By the way, this is how you win. But this is how you play the game beautifully. This is how you become effective. 
So you get these guys who are just so much talent, Martial, so much talent that just disappears. Pogba, so much talent that's useless. Like, these, these guys need that mental role. Now, yeah. I only think the only person I see in this team that I will see eventually evolve to a beast is Ansu Fati, maybe. I think De Jong is an interesting... I love De Jong. I think De Jong is the only A-list level <laughs> player on that team. He's, he's, he's low-key interesting, yeah. Yeah, De Jong is amazing. Uh, Griezmann, take it or leave it. I like Depay, but I don't think Depay will be... Like breathtaking, I think he'll do good numbers. I think he'll drop eighteen goals. I think uh, around that region, eighteen goals, a couple assists. Um, like Dabella is gone, man. I think Dabella has to leave. He's been. They've tried to sell him to Manchester Money. United five freaking times. They have tried so many times to get rid of him. His wages are too massive. He's gone. But hey, if if you but I think yeah I think with Messi gone, um, well this actually this actually opens it up. So last season we had Chelsea win the Champions League, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. City just bought Grealish. They're clearly not going to get Kane because Kane's worth what 160 million. Uh, nobody's buying him for that. Yes. So and Chelsea might get Lukaku. Are Chelsea going to win the Champions League next season? No. Why not? Who do you think takes okay. it? Who takes, the, yes. who takes it? But they won't win. Who Who do you think takes it then? Me? Mm. Yeah, you have two contenders too. So then who are your contenders then? And how many contenders do you have? Well, let's get this going. When this year's Champions League, what makes this Champions League anymore? Yeah. What, sorry? Bayern is my number one pick to win the championship. Bayern? Uh, you're having a laugh, man. Well, why Bayern? arguably, I get why you'd say Bayern, because they only really did lose to Chelsea because they didn't have a real striker for both those matches. But still, yeah. if you put, yeah. under the hypothetical, if you put Lukaku on Chelsea, they won it without a striker. Yep. No, they played false. Remember, they played, they played without Havertz. They played with Havertz in, like, the false nine role. But, like, bro, Lukaku makes them legitimately scary. Legitimately a proper scary team. Build like a truck. Like, I don't, I don't think, I, I honestly, because we can go player for player right now. And I guarantee you, you so let's go, okay? Let's actually go player for player, Bayern Munich versus Chelsea, okay? Give me a second. I'm going to pull up Chelsea's squad because I'm not a Chelsea fan. So <laughs> I don't think there are many Chelsea fans about Like, uh, the Chelsea people are the only ones who know the squad word for word. For word. So here we go. So I'm going to pull them up so the goalkeeper is between Kepa and Mandy. Mm-hmm. I think uh, regardless of whichever one it is, Neuer is better. Just from a you know leadership perspective, oh, yeah. it's been really good. Now let's go left backs. 
Mm-hmm. So Let's left back, that. you have okay. Alfonso Davis. Okay. The Canadian. Yep. <laughs> right? Well, my bias shine through there. Yeah. <laughs> then at Chelsea, Chelsea play one, a three at the back, so they play with a wing, uh, a wing back or um. Yeah. Like a, yeah, wing back, right? Well, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see. Are they going to revert back to like a four in the back, or are they going to um? Are they going to use um? That, that's actually a but either way Chelsea's um, defenders lose out to Bayern Munich's defenders let's just put it that way plain and simple I, I, right? I disagree I disagree on one of them I think Rudiger oh, okay. is better Rudiger yeah okay, okay. Rudiger, I, I actually think he's, he's a hard worker that's what he is I, you know I, I'm not joking I am going to argue for both of them I actually think Rudiger and Christensen are better than their defenders. I'm, I'm just being honest. You can argue wing-backs. Uh, you can argue that full-backs are better. I know people love uh, Meccano, but he's still young. Mm-hmm. Like th- That's a young guy. You have Rudiger, who was solid last year. You have Christensen, who's solid last year as well. Then well, you have well, on the, the other side, Zula's not you, as good. You can't, you can't just get that off of one team. Christensen is very inconsistent. We all know Bro, that. Bro, Christensen is the reason why they won the Champions League. That's fine. And I'm saying he's inconsistent. He'll be good one season, the next season he's, uh, he's okay, but not as good as he was. First but of he, all, you can't account for the last season because the last season had, it's a tale of two halves. You have mm-hmm. the Lampard season. And then you have um, the uh, Tuchel season, right? Those two seasons are completely different. The way they structured it, completely different. The way they utilize the players, completely different. The way this guy's using this squad is legitimately scary. Thiago Silva, someone that we had completely ignored. You know, we all, I personally laughed at the idea that they bought Thiago Silva. (laughs) Is the reason why they won. His leadership yep. is the reason why they won. Just think about it. Thiago Silva left PSG once, won the Champions League. Just, Just like that. Like in one season. One. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but either way, so okay, we can argue this. We can we can we can we can move on from the defense. This is where they move. win. Let's look at their midfield. Chelsea. Thiago Silva, best. People call him a box-to-box. People call him a defensive midfielder. Whatever, whatever N'Golo Kante is, he is the best in his in his field. No one's even close. Yes. Maybe Lidi is a close second. Lidi is right behind him. But in my opinion, N'Golo Kante is number one. No one's close. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's Kimmich or or Goretzka or whoever's coming in as a the midfielder, Toliso, I don't know who it is. They're, they're, they pale in, in comparison. Okay, that's N'Golo Kante. Mm-hmm. Jorginho showcased not only in Italy, but in last season, how ridiculous he is, played well. You put him in the right position, Jorginho is legitimately a better version, and I kid you not when I say this, a better version of Sergio Busquets. 
He is so, he's so effective. Make that decision. Bro, Jorginho is one of the reasons they won. Jorginho is the reason, one of the reasons why they won not only the Champions League. He won the Euros, bro. Uh, the Euros was entertaining. Oh, my God. So there's no way you can... And so these are the... These are the central midfielders you have to compare it with. Is Jorginho better than... So you're looking at a double pivot, right? Of Jorginho and N'Golo Kante. So remember, it's a double pivot. So com- who, do you, who do you put as a double pivot in, in Bayern Munich? I like Goretzka, but Goretzka's not better than Kante. No. And, and Goretzka's more like, I want to say, like an attacking midfielder. I love it. I would say Goretzka is more like a, like a Kai Havertz as opposed to a... Because if you say he's a central midfielder, which he is, he's not better than either one of them at what they do. He's not, he's not, a, he's not as good defensively as as, um, he's very as Kante. And he's not as good passing-wise as Jorginho. So he loses. Now, he might, he might play well for their system, but I don't think he beats them. Sorry, I keep speaking. Go on. No, no. Individually, when we compare him to, like, say, Kante, ridiculous defensively. There's yeah. no comparison. Yeah. But attacking-wise, I'll give Goretzka that. Maybe if, like, they were rated 1 to 10, I'll say Goretzka is an 8 or 9 and Kante is a 7. Yeah. Wise. I would say, I actually disagree. I think Goretzka attacking-wise is an 8. And I agree. Kante attacking wise is a seven. Defensively, yeah. Kante is a nine point five. Kante is a nine point five. Goretzka is a six. So, how 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 do you how do you evaluate how, how do you even they're not on the same stratosphere. Yeah, so let's let's you, let's put it on the same. Let's put. Goretzka I think Jorginho and Goretzka are, are closer in terms of what what duties they'll kind of perform because they'll be tasked to dictate the pace of the game. And Jorginho beats him. Because Jorginho's not meant to, you know, be the guy who's bombing forward, trying to score goals. He's the guy who makes sure that the play of the game, he rotates the ball. He circulates the ball. Jorginho's, in my opinion, like top three in the world. In his, The only guy who I think is better than him in that role would be uh, De Jong. In my opinion, De Jong is the only guy that I you can you look at him and he just looks scary. How good he is! The, the rest, nah, it's not even close, man. Like Jorginho <laughs> is so far ahead of everyone I would be else. Happy to hear that. Like so, yeah, De Jong is. I love De Jong, man. I wanted De Jong at Manchester United. I thought he would be, honestly, the the perfect replacement for Pogba, if Pogba could just, you know, kick rocks. And leave, <laughs> I'd be so happy. Now, I think that so the reason I'm not going to speak attacking midfielder yet is because that's why I think this is where Bayern Munich like opens up to show you how scary they are. So I think once you ignore those positions, once we move forward a bit, I think now it's where it becomes a wash because you have such Nabi beast. There's no one in Chelsea, in my opinion, that's close to him. Just facts. Lewandowski. 
in my opinion, Lewandowski oh. is the best striker in the game. Bar none. How many goals last season? Uh, uh, some silly number, like 40, like, what was it? 40, it was like 40. Yeah. 40, 40 yeah. Like, it, it was in his 40s. Lewandowski's stupid. Like, there are people you don't even, like, question. He had 41 goals. Like, it's, it's, and some, like, oh, sorry, to, total, total for the whole season. He had 48 goals. He had four, 48 goals in 40 appearances. He had 41 goals in Bundesliga. Yeah. Like, Lewandowski's insane. But on a whole other level. Um, so, Lewandowski up front, right? And then, in my opinion, my favorite player, Leroy Sané. Like, his head is all over the place, but an informed Sané is literally the scariest player in my opinion, as a winger. Like, yeah. people talk... Who, who do people talk about? Pulisic or... or um, who's, who, give me people. <laughs> the guys, wingers that people are afraid of. Uh, no. The guy, the guy, the guy City. Um, the Algerian guy. Uh, Mares or... Like, people... No. Sane is legitimately so scary when he moves forward. Because he has a keep eye for pass. And that's not just it. You still have your people like Coleman, who are just quietly there. You have people who can effectively impact the game. But in my opinion, that 4-3, whichever one they decide, is just scary, man. Like, that 4-3, I think, is just better. Okay, but if you add... If you add uh, Lukaku to that on Chelsea, That's, is it comparable then? Oh, yeah. Is it more of a watch so. then? Yeah. I think so. Because uh, Luk- uh, Lukaku... Sorry, I missed... Huh? I missed on that conversation. My connection went... Oh, no. So, he, so Akwasi just said, once you add mm. Lukaku to Chelsea, is it comparable mm-hmm. to... Is it, is it, can you compare Bayern Munich's forward line to Chelsea's forward line. No. By- Bayern Munich still has a better forward line. So you don't look think, So you don't think a combination of... Now, this is where... I don't know how he's going to play because this is why I think Chelsea are so scary next season. So it's a combination mm. of either Pulisic, Timo Werner, Lukaku, if he joins. Timo Werner, Lukaku... Hakim Ziyech. And who's that uh, American boy? Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. Pulisic yeah. 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 So it's between Pulisic, uh, Timo Werner, Lukaku, Hakim Ziyech, and or uh, Kai Havertz, depending on how he wants to play. Mm-hmm. That is legitimately scary. Because they can play the ball they can easily play, easily play one-touch football. They can easily counter-attack. They all have pace. Yes. All of them have pace. They're all, by the way, they're all tall. All of them. So you can utilize their height. That is a scary prospect, man. Like, you don't know how to... You remember, Lukaku is, in, in my opinion, Lukaku is in a harder league defensively 
So for Lukaku to shine offensively in such a defensive league, bro, Lukaku's Lukaku's a problem, man. And he yes, sleep on Lukaku. He needs somebody to feed the ball. Bro, he, he needs you somebody. Know I didn't, you know, know someone, I, I, I was keeping quiet this whole time. I didn't even pull out my, my trap card. You forgot cover kit is in, is in Liverpool. Is it, sorry, it's in Chelsea. Cover kit. That's a problem. You have, again, as I've said, depending on how you set up, you can put, you can put Kai Havertz, who, by the way, was trying his utmost to get Timo Werner to score. Timo just couldn't score for hell. Yeah. Right? So you put Kai Havertz in the tendril or in the wing. Havertz is a problem. So you have Havertz on one side. You have Pulisic, who's a beast. You have Ziyech, who's a beast. Like, they're legitimately scary on all fronts. You wouldn't know which direction, whether it's a through ball, whether it's a cross, whether it's just quick transitions of play. Like, they're scary, man. It's a scary combination for any team that doesn't have a good defensive battle. Mm. Right? They'll give them trouble, obviously. Yeah. Right, but now we're talking about teams that are going into the Champions League. All these teams are good. They're True. all good. But, yeah. you know, it's either they are, you know, proficient attacking-wise or the mm. Team has both. Right, if you're playing against, say... We lost we definitely just lost him. I did he leave? No, I think he just dropped for a reception. But no, are you still here? Yeah. Like when when I look at the team, yeah. This is the thing again that Mo's not uh, that Mo is clearly forgetting. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski's old next season as well. He was old already. Yeah. Right. He's he's beating Father Time, but and his game isn't reliant on like pace and so on. He used to be, but mm-hmm. he yeah. slowly evolved his game. Oh, my God. Is he I, back? Yeah. It keeps on disconnecting. I, I should figure out why. That's all right. Yeah. But, like, I, I legitimately think Lewandowski's a beast. But, like, Lukaku is so... Because this is the thing. I loved Lukaku at Man U. A lot of Man U fans didn't, you know, they thought... Martial looks better than him because Martial looks the silkier player. You know, mm-hmm. Lukaku, everyone looks at Lukaku's first touch and they go, Lukaku's shit. This is, where Luka- this is where Lukaku's best at. Lukaku's not like a target man. He's not a drug man. I look at Lukaku as a, as a finisher. Lukaku's a guy you cross a ball in and he's not supposed to touch the ball. It's his final ball that is crazy. Yeah. He kills teams. Look at Belgium in the Euros. Just look at them. They, they made the one guy who could stand up and say he didn't have a bad uh, a bad game outside of their final game where, where he was starved out of the ball was Lukaku. Lukaku was the best player. You forget that De Bruyne wasn't that team. You legitimately forget they had Quite possibly the best player in the world, in my opinion, in De Bruyne, in that team. But Lukaku was clearly the best player. Now, in my opinion, it's because they're an idiot for a coach. He just underperformed in the Euros. 
When I was watching the games, mm. to me, he kept on underperforming. Right? What are you talking about? The guy was like one of, one of the top scorers in the whole. How could he have underperformed? How, huh? how many goals did he score? I think he scored like six. How many goals, clear goal chances did he miss? What are you talking about, man? Look at this is what I mean. Like, okay, here's, here's Lukaku, uh, here's Lukaku Euro stats, okay? One second here, I'm going, I'm, I'm pulling them up here for you, because, sorry, he scored four goals, I apologize, he scored four goals, okay? His passing accuracy is at 70%. Okay. All right? He had, wait, one second, one second, mm-hmm. he had 13 total attempts, he okay. had four goals, bro. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not doing the, if you're doing the maths the correct, mm-hmm. that means he has a thirty-three percent goal ratio. So for every one in every three shots is a goal. The only player, by the way, who has over the whole season, who I've seen, who has a better shot. Um, is, is, is Mbappe. That's the only guy. Mbappe is the only one with a better shot percentage than Lukaku. L- um, Mbappe is one in two. Lukaku is one in three. Let me just pull this up because... Bro, people, yeah, people sleep have... on Lukaku because they see... This is the thing. Whenever you look at Lukaku, Lukaku's not a guy who looks good on TV. Lukaku's the guy when you see him, the, you... Look at how defenders hate marking Lukaku. They they don't want to see him. Because if he holds if he if he stands right next to you, he's too strong for you. Right? And the thing is, he's he's very quick and he's got skill. So when he gets a ball and he kicks it ahead, he knows he's gonna beat you for pace. Or he can lay it off to someone else and then start making the run. And because he's so fast, he starts opening channels of space for guys like De Bruyne to exploit. For guys like, um, you know, when Munier was bombing forward and stuff to exploit. Like, he makes so many pockets of space, he legitimately takes two defenders to actually guard him. To mark him the whole game. The whole time. Lukaku's a problem, man. Even look at Man U, man. He, sco- he was scoring... His, his total, if we look at his entire stats, um, like throughout this whole season, Lukaku's so efficient. People just um, people just sleep on the guy for, but I, I have no idea why people don't like Lukaku. Because I think it's from a, it's an eye test thing where it's like yeah. they'll see more of the misses than the makes. So to them, they'll be like, yeah, he scores every other game, but uh, especially when he was at Man U. But then it's like, but. There are so many chances that he's missing for yeah. them. So they look at the empty more than the whole sum, where it's like, yeah, he was their nine, and he was performing as he should have been. Yeah. And we see what happened. When Manu didn't have an act, when they brought in Martial, mm-hmm. Martial's terrible. Like, Martial doesn't have the right movement. Those pockets of space that Lukaku was creating for the team, they just disappeared. Because people forget how good he is, you know. 
and it's an off-ball movement. It's the like Mo, you've played you've played football before. Like let's stop acting like you haven't played football. <laughs> when you that if you what do you play? You play you play centre back, right? You play defence. But you, have you pl- you've played central mid, I'm assuming. I played center mid and I played striker as well. But you played striker as well. My position is uh, defender. Defender, right? But let's yeah. play. Let's say you're playing center mid. Mm-hmm. Who is the best striker to play with? The best striker to play with is one who knows when to come to come to you, so that he can, you know, alleviate the pressure off of you, so that when he's passing the ball again, he rounds the defender. And all you have to do is just play that looping ball ahead, right? Well, you always want the threatening attacker that's just going to exactly. take attention. You know, they're going to be like, "Oh, Mark, Mark, when should yeah. pass doesn't do? Why just forget what else is it?" Exactly, and because he's making, he's causing so much chaos up front. You start seeing passing lanes everywhere. They they're so busy looking at worrying about Lukaku, they forget the wingers coming forward. That's why, in my opinion, Lautaro Martinez. Another guy highly rated had an excellent season last year was because everyone was so focused on Lukaku. Martinez was just legitimately walking by, and people forgot that this guy's an elite level striker, just jogging around. Like, no one noticed him. Getting into those wide areas. Bro, Lukaku's a. In my, Lukaku was legitimately one of the best players in the league. In my view, in my opinion, he underperformed in the Euros. I had yeah. high expectations for him. Like, where, like, you know, when he was at Inter, yeah. he touched the ball, and you know that there's going to be a goal chance coming up. Mm. You know, but in, for some reason, when I was watching the Belgium game, mm. I didn't see it. When I, when I was watching the Belgium games, mm. one, he was playing like he was playing when he was in Man United. His first touches were terrible. Okay. You know, his passes were, some passes were good, mm. but other passes, you were like, why would you make that pass? Mm. You know, that's, that's what I saw when he, when he was playing in the Belgium team. Nobody's mm. denying that is a deadly strike. Mm. It's very good. You know, and the fact that teams underestimate him before mm. they play again. They only have to play against him once for them to learn. Okay, next time we play against this guy, we're having like ten people on him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of player he is, and he's good. But in the Euros, he underperformed in my in my opinion. He could have done better, a hundred percent. So, had, what do you mean by what do you mean by done better? Because let's 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 look at it like uh, let's look at it from. An over, like, let's look at it of an overall perspective, okay? So, um, so he had four goals. Yeah. The top scorer of the whole thing had five goals, right? Was that Ronaldo? That was Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Ronaldo was tied with Schick, uh, the uh, Czech player, okay? So you have Lukaku had. 13 total attempts, 6 on target, and scored 4 goals. Okay? Ronaldo had 16 attempts. Mm-hmm. You, do, you see what I'm, do you see what I've just legitimately said there? No, I get that. I 
Okay. No, 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 no. Let's let's put it in perspective. No, no, no. Let's put it in perspective. Harry Kane also had four goals. Harry Kane also had four goals. Harry Kane had a poor Euros, very, very poor. He started picking it up as a, as the Euros as they got closer to the finals. But Kane was terrible. He was missing in the group stages. He was missing in the um, in the knockout stages in the quarterfinals, so on and so forth. He was missing all over the place. It wasn't until the quarterfinals is when he showed up, and then he started heating up. But um, if I'm wrong, so Benzema, Benzema, I think Benzema was more efficient. Benzema had 11 total attempts, four goals. Benzema was really efficient. Um, Forsberg, four and 14. Like, bro, Lukaku is elite, man. The, the whole thing you're saying he missed chances? No. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo missed chances. Um, Schick missed chances. Shakiri missed chances. And that's like, all these enough. guys missed chances. He didn't. The only <laughs> guy, the only guy in this whole thing who can match him legitimately is, um, uh, what's his name? Is Benzema. That's the only guy. Those two are the only players. Just facts. Go, go check his stats. Like you, if you look at the last game, the last game was pretty clear. When they got knocked out, they, those guys played Belgium to a fiddle. They said, "Don't give." Italy were very clever. Italy said, "Don't give Lukaku the ball." That was it. The whole gameplay was make sure we cut all the all the passing. In my, like it's it's excuse me, but yeah, mm-hmm. and don't forget, Belgium are the ones who knocked out Portugal. Don't forget that. Okay. That was a good game. Yeah. Right. Guess who was well guess who was very 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 influential in that game for them to beat Portugal. I just have to put you on mute for a second. Yeah. you, bro. You know, like uh, no, but that's true though, right? Like the think way, about the, the yeah. way the gameplay went because he forgets these goals. Lukaku, yeah. so uh, Ruben Diaz, who came, who's in Man City, was mm-hmm. being lauded as one of the best defenders last season, right? Yes, he was. Which is true. Lukaku bodies the guy, offloads the ball to De Bruyne. De Bruyne recycles play, moves it to Meunier. Lukaku makes a run. Then Meunier crosses the ball, gives it, gives the ball to Hazard. Boom, go. Simple. Yeah. But you yeah. don't see those things with with Lukaku. Lukaku makes it, makes him a proper threat, man. Yeah, I think so as well. I think again, you add him to Chelsea, then you're really having that conversation. The yeah. other thing is, you're, you're throwing an RB Leipzig's manager into Bayern here, and they—that's that's that's quite I, that's, like that's, as much as I love Bayern, and right because Davies is there and the Canadian bias and whatnot. Mm. They were pretty much consistently playing the same shape all the time. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing is going to be if this new manager decides, you know what, I'm going to change shape based off of my matchup. 
which can work, but then that consistency isn't there for those players who've been used to playing that same shape, that same mold, playing creatively, but still playing. I would not be surprised, and this is just totally off here, would not be surprised if Bayern doesn't win Bundesliga this year just because... Oh, no, no, of no, the, no, I, no. Look, I'm not it's saying it's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised. That's what I'm saying. If it happens, I won't be shocked, but I'm not expecting it to. Personally speaking, um, like, there is literally no way Bayern Munich do not win. You need to remember, Dortmund are weaker now. Sancho's gone. Uh, like, who, if if you look at if you look at the the who in the German league is going to. Um, when the German league is legitimately going to scare them? Realistically, to me, it's Dortmund is really the only real threat that's there for them. Yeah, right? give me one second. Uh, just give me a second, mate. But, like, if you look at that team, if you look at the table, if you look at the Bundesliga and so on, I just... There's no way Bayern Munich, like... Don't coast the league, in my opinion. I think it's an interesting league to look at because I know we were talking before we recorded like all the different teams that basically the top five have all switched managers. And it's all an interesting conversation all across the board. But I think of the the top teams being Bayern Munich and Dortmund, which are the two top teams, Bayern Munich have upgraded. Because RB Leipzig, uh, the RB Leipzig coach, is a more attack-minded coach. And the one thing that I think Bayern actually are good at is attacking. So you bring in an attack-minded coach is actually a very, very good thing. Yeah. I think it would have been interesting, because I know people were hoping for, and we might as well transition to this here, mm. for Bailey... To instead of going to Villa to go to Dortmund to replace Sancho in that field, and I think that would have been an interesting move well, no, to I see. Thought yeah. Bailey, Bailey plays on the left wing. He plays on the left, but he can play right, and he's been like they've always they've always put him on the other footed side for him. But he's he's competent on both feet, and I think that would have been the more interesting thing instead of nothing against the players they brought in. But I think Bailey would have been a much more intriguing prospect to either go left or right. With I that. think I think Bailey I think Bailey is um, I'll be honest with you, I I want to see how good Bailey is once he goes to Villa. And Villa's an interesting prospect because he's his style of play is similar to Grealish. Uh, I think Dortmund play with a lot of pace. Bailey isn't blessed with a lot of... Like, he's fast. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's that... Like, he's not as rapid as someone like Sancho, for instance. So, I don't know. It'll be an interesting way to see how he plays. Yeah, which, like, it does make it seem a little bit interesting in that sense. Mm -hmm. Because even just, like, all the movements, like... 
we mentioned Bailey, like all the movement that's happened in the EPL so far from Grealish leaving Villa to go to City to like Bailey coming in to Villa, uh, the movement. You got Sancho going to United. It is looking interesting, but I'm wondering like which teams won't this really affect much? Like how will we really be able to see? I think it'll be interesting to see basically who is able to actually benefit with this well versus who's not. Because for me, Loki Villa is interesting with with Bailey there now. Because I'm I'm not gonna say they're top five, but like in the same conversation that we had with Dortmund, I wouldn't be surprised if they're knocking on that Champions League door by the end of the season. Who? Villa. Uh but who would they knock out though? That's a question. Question. I think I think Chelsea's definitely in the top four. Yeah, Chelsea's definitely there. I think Man City's definitely in the top four. I think United should be there. And United but, should be there. But oh, I mean, oh, so, and, and then you're forgetting Liverpool exists. Yes. So there's no way Arsenal Villa breaking into that top four unless, unless Man shit the bed. That's what, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Unless Man you fuck up. Or I don't Liverpool mess up. Because Liverpool hasn't done much of anything. That's the one thing. Well, you need to remember Van Dijk was out all of last, well, a larger majority of the last season. Right? Mm -hmm. He starts next season. He's fit next (laughs) season. So they're going to be significantly better next season defensively. I actually think Liverpool suck next season offensively. Mm -hmm. I 100%. They're going to suck offensively. Not why? defensively. Me... Do you know why? One, Mane, as I love Mane, Mane is too old now. Mane was found Mane? out last season. 100%. Mane was found out last season. Let's remember, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? That uh, Last season was the first time we legitimately saw Trent Alexander-Arnold defending. Yeah. And that's the reason why I think you guys struggle. Because every time, though he actually impressed me in how good of a defender he is, because I always thought he was more of a de- offense, like like a winger, just playing fullback, like a Danny Alves kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Always but, forward. Yeah, amazing going forward, forward defensively. But he, he actually impressed me in the sense that he's actually a good defender. But if you look at it like realistically, that right wing was an issue. Because on the left wing, Andrew Robertson, we can all agree, is an amazing defender who's really good going forward. Yes. The opposite about Trent Alexander-Arnold is Alexander-Arnold is an amazing player going forward who plays right back. So here's That's the a difference. Here's you here's guys, the... I am not joking. A good season for you guys? I'm not joking. And I'm, and I'm being 100%. I legitimately think, and this is, you can call this Manchester United bias, I'm calling mm-hmm. it right now. Number one, uh-huh. in the, if this is only if Chelsea get Lukaku. If Chelsea get Lukaku, Chelsea win the league. Okay. Number okay. two yeah. will be Man City. Number three okay. will be Manchester United. Number four will be Liverpool. Mark my words. You need... You know, you need an stuff. exemplary 
Salah, Salah is going to get his 20-odd goals, right? That's yeah, a guarantee. It's a given. I'll move him aside. 20-odd goals. This is, you know, my boy My boy's forgotten. Vinaldum left. People forget. Vinaldum yeah. left. Serious cog in the, in, in, in the game there. He just walked away. Have they replaced him? Not yet. Then you have Mane, who's a problem. Because Mane is one of the more... Um, he's a seasoned player. But realistically, Diogo Jota is better than him at this kind yes. of... So, but the okay, issue yes. is, you can't have one of the nicest guys on your, on your team not playing. And by the way, Mane has an ego because, in my opinion, even when Salah was uh, like two, three seasons seasons ago, when Salah was being heralded as like the next Messi, I actually mm-hmm. thought Mane was a better player because Mane was a better all around player. Salah was just a better finisher. Do you know what I mean? So, that season, I that, that season, that that season that Salah scored was it forty goals? in the league and then yeah and a couple uh, more in other in exactly that season bro Salah Umbane was actually better than Salah but when you look but when you looked at Salah's numbers Salah actually looked a better player if you just look at stats but if you watch the game the guy who was more effective was Mane because if that if that if that if nothing was going through the right wing or the left wing like wherever Mane was because the thing about as you know more the thing, Chelsea's forward line is so fluid, right? Firmino will go. And that's another thing. Firmino, I think, next season, mm-hmm. I don't think he does fuck all. Honestly. Firmino? Like, I think, I think there are three positions in your team that need to be improved. For me, like, you need a better Firmino. And I mean, I don't want you to get a striker striker like a Lukaku. You need a better version of Firmino. I actually think the best player for that role would have been Kai Havertz. Because that's the role that they used him in the Champions League, and he was boarding everyone. So I think Kai Havertz would have been best for that position. You need someone who replaces Wijnaldum. And honestly speaking, the best Thiago is a myth. Like, I know you guys, like, Thiago is supposed to be like, so good and I'm like yeah he's an amazing player but I don't think he plays he slows your game down so much he, he doesn't he hasn't learned how to match the tempo yet but yeah yeah exactly uh, Liverpool attacking wise despite their flaws are still deadly I disagree right disagree, <laughs> disagree. okay no problem that's fine that's fine let me just see my piece let me oh, just yeah, see my yeah. piece yeah the problem we had last season mm. was Mane. I don't know what happened to him. The man just disappeared. Mm-hmm. The mid-season, the man just disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, and Salah, as always, his frustrations is the man doesn't pass the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, like he can fall back. When he does, mm-hmm. he's like a bloody fullback. Like he goes on the player and gets the ball and goes and attacks. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But the man doesn't do that too often. Mm-hmm. That, that's our problem. Mm-hmm. Firmino is not consistent. Mm-hmm. 
right? The guy is good. And when he's when he's on in form, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Our biggest problem last season was our defensive line. You were talking about Trent Alexander or not. The guy is young. He's mm-hmm. still young. He yeah. needs to learn. The uh-huh. guy who the reason why he was always solid at the back was because Van Dijk was there to always yell at them and tell them what they need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, fall back, attack, or, you know, come support, or follow the guy. Mm-hmm. He was, like, Van Dijk was literally the man who held, like, he, he held the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And with him out, Trent had to figure out what to do on his own. Obviously, he found his own style, which is great. But he's still, he's still young. The experience is not there. Yeah. Right? He needs to get better, obviously. But with Van Dyke back, yeah. you know, and Trent finding his own start, you have, we have uh, Matip. Okay. Right? Yeah. We have Matip, Van Dyke, Robertson, and Trent. Yeah. That backline to me is solid. Yeah, you find it very hard pressed to get past them easily. But bro, um, you see, it's this a big shoot, uh, but I think we'll make it past it. And if you don't get second or first, I owe each of you fifty bucks. Let me. Second or first. That's we'll that's easy fifty dollars. But let's 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 that's the easiest fifty dollars we'll win. But let's okay. let's actually break it down, okay? Ruben Diaz came into Man City's team, and that's why. They're considered the least goals in the league. Fact. That they only considered 32 goals last season. Fact. He is he made the difference. He made the exact same difference Van Dyke did. Guess which team just bought someone that is doing going to do the exact same role? Manchester United. They'll go Varane. How much did they get Varane for? When? What do you mean when? Now, how much? 35 million. What a steal. Yeah, legitimately. 28-year-old Varane, easy. So you have Varane. Now, he's an injury-prone guy. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. So I do expect him to to not play the whole season. I, I consider him in the same mold as a Laporte. Laporte, I... uh, the Man City player. Amazing player, but always injury-prone. So I think Varane is also of the same mold, okay? But Varane is eerily similar to Van Dyke. Has ridiculous pace. He's the one who covers the most, right? He covers more. He's amazing in the air. And he's a big guy. He will show up that defense significantly. But who's there? Okay, so you have... um... Uh, one second. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't finished yet. This is just Manu. Okay. I haven't even gone to Man City yet. Then, Manu scored seventy-three goals, five more goals than Liverpool did last season. Right? Remember, this is with a broken Cavani. Okay, and no right winger. We have a right winger now. Sancho's in, and Cavani's going to start next season. Because he's actually not, he's not interning. So Man U have a strike force and a winger starting the season next year. And an actual legitimate centre-back that's not called 
Lindelof. <laughs> and that you have the best defensive right back in the league in Aaron Juan Bissaka and the best left back of last season. I think Alex Robertson is the better left back. I said, no, I said the best left back in the world last season in terms of form. Luke, okay. Luke Shaw was the best left back in the whole world last season. I think Andrew <laughs> Robertson is the better defender, don't get me wrong. But, but, last season but. in terms of form, Luke Shaw was better than him. Throughout the whole last season. season. Last season, something <laughs> yeah. happened. <laughs> Something happened last yeah, year. Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw came. Luke Shaw showed us the form he had. The last time we saw this form was when he was in Southampton. Now you tell him, bro. Don't even worry. We've got three guys who wouldn't move. We have Aran Maguire and Aaron Van Bissaka who wouldn't be bombing forward. So you just go do your thing. And then you have Sancho. You tell Sancho, Sancho. Don't even worry about defending. You've got the best right, defensive right back in the league. You just go forward. We have oh, no, legitimately the right now. So we had remember we scored we scored five more goals than you. And our biggest problem was our forward line, bro. That's the thing that you need to remember. Our biggest problem was the forward line. Mind you's forward line looks better this season than last season. You forget Lukaku, uh, not Lukaku, sorry, Pogba. Pogba was benched half the season by Fred. This season, I've watched a lot of our preseason, man. Van der Beek is looking scary in that pivot room. So if we play Van der Beek and we have Lukaku coming in, it's a wash. Mm. I actually think next se- this season coming up, Pogba's mm-hmm. going to play left wing. Because that's what he played last season. And he was really impactful. Because now he doesn't have to defend as much. And he's actually farther forward. That actually made him play much better. So we'll see him play left wing. But more like a... like a Not, not a left winger, more like a left midfielder. So you'll see him play left mid. And then you'll see Cavani. Uh, what's It's going to be Cavani. Uh, what's his name? Cavani, Sancho... And probably a hybrid of um, Greenwood or something else. You'll see that. And I guarantee you, bro, I guarantee you, Manu will outscore Liverpool. (laughs) Liverpool will concede less goals. I give you that. Liverpool have a better defensive line. Liverpool have a better... um, (coughs) Liverpool actually have a defensive midfielder, which Manu don't have. But when I look at your forward line, you guys are not that good. And and honestly, you guys are not better than... Chelsea without Lukaku are still better than you guys. Man City are better than you guys, even without Aguero. So, I think... You guys... Nah, there's no way. Like, I, I honestly... Liverpool, in my opinion, people look at them and they go, this is amazing. I'm like... Do you guys not know what father time is? Salah is not getting younger. Salah isn't getting younger. Firmino was already useless last season. And you can call it a blip. But if he doesn't show up on form... It was a blip last season and this is a biased support. I agree. But... (laughs) Mm. 
Liverpool's lineup have played together for how long? They played together for four years, I believe. Four or five years. Well, no, four years. The same lineup has been played together for four years. Their chemistry is insane. I mean, you might have, sure, you have Sancho here, you know, you have all these good players that are running around the pitch. But it's about the connection that they, like, if they're able to connect with one another. Right? If you have Pogba on the field and he does the same nonsense thing he did when he first arrived at Man, uh, Man-, Man- U, that's a problem for him. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're here. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'll still. Oh, oh, wait. I was. On, I want to see it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he was uh, on mute there. So I, was, I don't I was think I want to see it. No, I said it. you forget that right? Sancho was in the under twenty one team with guys like Rashford and so. Sorry, not under twenty one, under twenty three. So, no, no, no. One second. No, no. Wait, 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 wait. You asked me a question. You asked me a question about how we connect. Remember. Dortmund and Man United actually played the exact same system. Dortmund played better, but we played the exact same system. So you have Sanchez is going to be a simple fit. It's not like you're bringing, uh, if you, you know, like the Memphis to uh, Depay to Barcelona. Yeah, that's a weird one because he's used to playing as a as a counter uh, as a counter attacking team, and he's going into a possession based team. That's why Depay actually failed in Man U the first time. Because he, he came from a very free-flowing team, then came to play with under Van, Van, Van Gaal. And Van Gaal made him play a specific system. And he was like, bro, I'm useless here. Like, I have to know what step I'm on, like what position I'm in. That's why I think he's going to struggle in Barcelona. Even though his numbers are going to look good, their team is going to tank because of the overall uh, scheme of things. But when you look at Man U, I legitimately mm-hmm. say we have been playing, we've actually been playing with patchy players. And by patchy players, I mean, um, so we don't start the season without um, Rashford, okay? Because Rashford's, um, Rashford's got an, uh, he went for surgery. So yeah. you don't have Rashford. But don't forget, last season, Pogba bench Rashford. So if Pogba bench Rashford, Pogba's going to play up top. We have a winger now, finally, on the right wing. So that means we can actually play Greenwood in his natural position, which is as a striker. So you can play you can play Greenwood slash Cavani. You can play Pogba on the left wing, Sancho on the, on the right wing, a uh, double pivot of... Greenwood, uh, sorry, uh, double pivot of Van der Beek, in my opinion, with Matic. Up front, you have Fernandez, who's tying everything together. You have Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Varane, Harry Maguire, and Luke Shaw. In my opinion, that back four mm. is the best back four in the league bar none. The only team that might have a better back four might be might and I and I say might might okay. be Liverpool only on the consideration of Van Dijk is the best central defender, right? 
So Van Dyke is a, is number one. Yeah. Varane is top five, right? Mm -hmm. I think we can agree on that. All yeah. three. Varane is top five. Yeah. yeah. Harry Maguire. I'll give you that. Harry Maguire is the best. Harry Maguire, I think, is better than Martin. Do we are we disagreeing there? Harry Maguire is the best. Harry Maguire is better than Martin. Yes. Yeah. Harry Maguire is better than Martin. Andrew yeah. Robertson is better than Luke Shaw. I agree yeah. there. Um, but last season, Luke Shaw was better than him. Eh, but I'll give you Andrew Robertson is better than Luke Shaw. Alexander Arnold, this is why I have a problem. And I'm about to say something that is very controversial. Mm. If I am picking, if I was, if I'm a coach and I was to say I'm picking my first right back or defender of any kind, mm -hmm. I want a defender first. So I choose one Bissaka over an, a, a Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent Alexander-Arnold is amazing going forward. Amazing. He actually pins your fullbacks back because he's so good going forward. People have to worry about him. The wingers don't track back because they see him pushing forward, bombing forward. But bruh, you can't you see, pass one Bissaka. It doesn't matter if you're coming two guys, three guys. There's literally nowhere you're going. One Bissaka stops every single person coming his way. It doesn't matter who you are. He shuts down everyone. So why would I pick someone who, in a bad game, because we saw Liverpool last season have a lot of bad games, which was interesting. We actually saw Liverpool's defense being checked a lot, and they failed. They honestly failed. And then, don't get me wrong. What's his name? Yeah, you guys didn't have a back line. I get it. Henderson. But that's the thing. It really showcased how weak your team is. Because, uh, what's, it, what's his name? You, you forget, Man also had the same issues. We had Maguire injured at some points. We had Lindelof injured at some points. We had Baez always injured. Um, Phil Jones lives in the treatment room. So we were playing Tuan Zerbe, we were playing everyone. You guys chose not to call up anyone from your under-23 or your youth team because you that, would rather play Fabinho. That one didn't make any sense to and me. And Henderson in like, Yeah. Bring in young players, let them play their roles, and then play your better midfielders up front so that they play in the actual natural positions and they can actually help, which tells me your team next season, if Matip goes injured, I yes. fancy my chances. Listen. Because if Manu, if Varane goes injured, bro, guess what? The defensive, uh, the defensive team that was the third, uh, what was it? The th the fourth best defensive team in in um wait one two three four yeah the fourth best defensive team last season is what you're going to see if either Varane or Maguire gets injured. So our fourth best team is still going to be better than majority of the other teams defensively. Bro, you guys are not mm. cracking top. You guys are not cracking top three. I guarantee you. you no, know, you see that that right there is a bold statement, and I, I think yeah, you I know. I, I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. 
I know people see Van Dyke coming and they see and I think they see him and I and I think they compare him to like I don't know like some kind of deity coming down. He's an amazing player and he will boost your stats a hundred percent because we'll see Henderson back in his role. We'll see Fabinho back in his role. We'll see everyone's going to look good. Bro, you guys are weaker than last season. Wijnaldum is not there. Uh, Fabinho's playing like crap. Mane looks like he's completely Fabinho tired. Fabinho like crap one season. We can't say he's going to play like crap for the whole the season. The only problem is, my guy, Fabinho's 30 plus. How old is he now? 32? How old is Fabinho right now? How old is Bob? I think he's 31. It's either he just turned 31 or he's still 30. Firmino got that. He's, 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 he'll be turning. He's turning. Uh, 20, he'll be turning 30 this season. Yeah. So, 30. Um, 30. he's turning 30. Uh, okay. I my on this is the thing. My honest to God truth is, Diogo Jota coming in makes you guys legitimate threats, in my opinion. Diogo Jota is the asterisk for me. If he starts a season running, I see an interesting team coming up. But personally, no. I don't think so. Well, you see, all of this, we'll just have to wait till the season yeah, begins. It's, we'll it begins in what? A couple of days. It, it a couple begins of days. next week. Yes. On Saturday, yeah. Indeed. And if I can have any of a bold statement, it is simply... That Liverpool will not finish top five in the EPL. Oh, yes, five? It. Oh. I said it. I said it. <laughs> Yo, even I can't say that, man. That's crazy. I'm saying it. Wait, so I am saying you're it. You're legitimately saying Aston Villa will finish top five. Top four. Top four. Is that what you're saying? Aston Villa finish top four? I, on the bold prediction scale, I am not saying Villa will be top four. But I am telling you, Liverpool will not be top five. Uh, I could see Villa, I think for Villa, I think like seven, six, seven is probably where they end up this year for a good season for them. Ideally, it would be like either Europa or maybe cracking in. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, I think a year under um, with their new players will do them better, but I I honestly see Liverpool taking a step back this year. Holy fuck! And we're going to start this season without Andy Robertson because he might injured. Any bold predictions for anyone else? Or... <laughs> Mo's Mario. never going to invite me. I'm not invited to the party. I get it, Mo. You're not. You're not. Listen, I can't even speak on that. Top five. I'm just going to let that go. It's recorded. It'll go out. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. We're starting the season with that because the yeah. man is a bloody injury right now. Like, for fuck's sake, it's a friendly. Why? Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, of course. Liverpool will surprise you. Liverpool is... They're not to be underestimated. I'm just going... And that's a fair statement. I don't think their fitness level is going to be ideal this year. And that's what's going to cause them to take a step back. I think Mandai coming back is going to look great, but how long will that take him to get into form? I don't know. 
with that type of injury that he had. And that is primarily what I'm saying. Without that, I think defense can get. If Trent Alexander takes a step forward defensively, I think it bodes well for them. But overall, I don't see him doing it. I don't know why nobody's talking about him, but we also have Kanata this season. Yeah, no one's so talking about our it. our back line is... It's like the Great Wall of China at this moment. Yes and no, but that's just my opinion. Well, we'll see how these go. Like, if, yeah. if you don't have Wijnaldum, like Wijnaldum, Thiago is there. I don't doubt that. You know, we we have a great lineup this season, and I feel like you saying that they won't crack the top five, it, it, it's an insult. It's an insult to say that they won't crack the top five. Which other teams, okay, in your prediction, which two teams will be in the top five? Which five teams, sorry, will be in the top five? So, in no particular order, <clears throat> I have the Manchesters. Okay. I have Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where the fun begins. I believe it's going to be Leicester at four. Mm -hmm. And then, depending on how this Harry Kane situation goes down, I'm going to put Tottenham at five. And I'm putting Liverpool at six and (laughs) Arsenal at seven. Jesus. That's how I feel. <laughs> Please keep this recording for the end of the. Oh, oh, don't worry. I I will stand by it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I just believe they will take that step back. And I am telling you, Liverpool is in the top two, either first or second. I don't see that, but that's bold enough for you. Okay. Uh, Nelson, what's your prediction? Where is it? Yeah, it's it's all good. It's all good. No, uh, bold predictions. Uh, you missed that. So, what uh, what for most bold most EPL bold prediction was? Yeah. Uh, Liverpool finishes top two. And yeah. EPL. I, I don't mine think was they. Bold, I don't think that's a bold prediction though. Mine is they finish outside the top five. I, yeah, I heard that. I heard that, that part I did here. Um, yeah. I, mm, I don't think... I, I, I can't see them outside the top four, to be honest. And even, like, genuinely, honestly, I think if Manu don't start the season really well, I think this season's going to be a hot one. I feel like this season, it's going to be very top-heavy. Yeah. I think it's going to be similar to that season where Liverpool had like 100 points or something. Mm-hmm. Or high 90s is what I think will win this this season. So, fair, yeah. Keeping pace is, at the beginning is going to be a thing. Those draws that you can't afford yeah. are going to be key. Yeah. No, definitely. So, uh, really only have Olympics to talk about. In our wonderful yeah. Canadian minute. Yeah. Wait, congratulations, I, I ladies. Mo. I think Mo's gone, no? No, he is gone, yeah. Oh, he's gone completely, yeah? Okay. Yeah, gone, gone. Okay. 
So, uh, yeah. okay. So, Olympics. Um, we're going to have to do a lot of, uh, what's it called? A lot of uh, editing for this one, but... Yeah, that's right. Where were we? So, Olympics, you have... So, Canada women winning gold. Canada women. Congratulations, ladies. Finally won uh, an Olympic uh, title. Um, Because it's national teams for women, this is a title for us, so we're taking this. Um, Definitely, shout out to the elder statesmen of the team, specifically Christine Sinclair. And because I am a goalkeeper by trade, Stephanie LeBay's performance in shootouts just brought a tear to my eye um it really did (laughs) because her being her picking the right sides her confidence level i think i was watching the uh, post match with cbc they did interview with her and she was just like taking in the moment and enjoying it and that to me was just yes i enjoy that i enjoy that aspect i understand it i understand how that gives confidence to your team i love it but for that this Canadian team has been interesting. And then on the men's side, Brazil winning again. Um, mm-hmm. is a congratulations to them. It's like they it was the one tournament they've never won, and they finally won it. So from for men's at least. Yeah. Uh, women have they have not won a gold medal as of yet. But unless I'm wrong about it, I'll double check that. But it's it's how important is the Olympic tournament? Overall, uh, for men's fuck all. Uh, <laughs> just being honest, uh, it means nothing. It's fair. I mean, because when you look the, at it, yeah. on, like think about it this way. Yeah. For the men's, you have what a couple of places that you can uh, that that have people over the age of twenty three, right? Yeah, because so, the men's tournament is like three overage players, but it's a U23 tournament in format. Right. Yeah. So the problem you have with that kind of system, though, is you negate a lot of very, very good teams that exist that just don't have their next players coming up. Yeah. You know, the Croatias of this game and the, uh, the... There are very many teams, in my opinion, that are really good. Like, so think about it this way. You look at the... So the Euros and the Olympics happened the same year, obviously. Yes. And you look at the Euros. You look at England, for instance. Yes. You have Sato, who's under 23. You have Rashford, who's under 23. You have Foden, who's under 23. Foden, who's under 23. Greenwood is under 23. Saka's under 23. Yeah. So all those guys didn't show up to the Olympics because they had prior engagements. But if those guys show up... It's a different tournament, yeah. It's a different tournament. You look at other teams. You you also look at, like, the... um, uh, What's it called? The German team. It's got the same level of talent as well. You look at um, uh, the Dutch team. Same... You know, like... So, in my opinion, whenever you start seeing these things, that's why... I'll be honest, I don't think a lot of football fans put anything when we, I don't think they look at the Olympics and go oh, you want to win the gold you know who doesn't yeah. but do they look at it and go like this is a must win I don't think so because it doesn't I do think, anything yeah I think it's another tournament to give them that that tournament feel and that exposure to it because like 
looking at it from a from a Canadian perspective, when we were going for the Olympic qualifiers, that was a conversation because again, same thing. Our under twenty three players are basically the core of our team, right? You're Jonathan David, who's at Lille. You're Alfonso Davies, who's at Bayern Munich. You're Tejan, who should be moving, but apparently they want to win an MLS Cup, so he's staying in New England for now. And plus, like, the Jaden Nelsons, the Balutalas, like, those guys, to put them in another tournament environment would have been grateful. And I think this, even the U.S. was looking at it the same way, because it would have been an opportunity where you could have put, like, your your Gio Reynos, your, your Josh Sargents, your DKs, to a degree, and put them in that type of a tournament where they can play Again, it just gives you more exposure and never an opportunity to evaluate, especially with this year being what it is with the World Cup in December next year. Another chance to evaluate future prospects. Because it is watered down, like you said, it does kind of diminish its value. I think it diminishes its value for a stronger nation, but for an up-and-coming nation who has youth coming, any opportunity for them to play competitively together is a... Is an opportunity you can't mess up. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I know. I think you're... So, my thing is... Um, so... You need, to, you need to really put this into consideration. I think yeah. a lot of countries would rather win the Euros, would rather win the World Cup, would rather win Commonwealth, would rather win AFCON, um, and they they have they, they put a lot of emphasis on winning those tournaments. Yeah, I actually think, and I'm not joking here. I think they made the Olympics that way so that they can the teams that are weaker, weaker asterisks. Uh, yes. uh, uh, America, a couple of African teams. Yeah. a couple of South American teams, so on and so forth. Teams that have genuinely very, very good um, youth programs will obviously be the best teams in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But if they opened that barrier and said, we want the best people to perform, it's going to be another World Cup. That's what it is, right? That's le- legitimately what it would be. Well, it's a more condensed World Cup because instead of a 32-team field, it's literally top there. And I think that's where having the where the the youth, unless you really knee deep into academies, youth players coming up, aka yeah. unless you're me in like 2007 all the way to 2014, where I'm like researching Ghanaian players who are playing, who played. I literally followed Ghana's youth program from their U15s all the way to the time that they were like 24 playing for the national team. I followed them for that because they made the World Cup. But like, out, unless you're doing that, I think having the three overage players at least gives you some sort of name credibility for the tournament. So it's like, oh, you're looking at Brazil. It's like, okay, you might not know Vinicius Jr. You may not know Richardson, but you see Danny Alves, you're like, I know that guy. Okay, so that makes sense. Or you look at the Mexican team, it's like, I may not know all these guys, but Ochoa, I know Ochoa. So let's that makes sense from that standpoint. But I think that's where why they formatted it the way that it is. Because if it was just a straight U23, to me, I think that would be more interesting. But I think it wouldn't garner nearly as much as having that three-over-age aspect for it, especially on the men's side. 
No, I th- I think you're overly you're overstating. Uh, I think you're overstating the whole youth uh, dynamic because the thing about the thing about youth dynamics in general is majority of youth players. Let's be honest, don't get yeah. don't have great careers. You know, I remember when everyone yeah, yeah. was harping on about like Ruben Loftus Cheek as being the next big English player. No, he yeah. isn't. Uh, when Rashford was coming up, not many people thought Rashford was going to be, uh, you know, the, yeah. the the thing. He is, you know. So, um, and the reason I say that is there's so many things that come to it. Injuries are a big factor. Yeah. Um, growth spurts are a big factor. Because yeah. there are many people who are in the under-23s that are 19. Yeah. And could legitimately grow even, uh, you know, whilst they're 19 and so on, you know, um, yeah. the size of their frame gets bigger and so on and so forth. So, um, personally speaking, let's look at it this way. Let me show you why Olympics means nothing. So, the last team that won uh, two gold medals back-to-back is Argentina in yeah. those three, right? Argentina hasn't won a World Cup or anything. Uh, until recently, correct? No, they the haven't Con- won. They won the Congo Bowl, but then yeah. they what? They were at the finalists for the World Cup in 2014. Yeah. Won Congo seven years later. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they it showcased how useless it is. Because if you if you were supposed to be in like say three three years, because that's what technically it should be, right? Mm-hmm. After the Olympics, three years, you should all these players who are like. 21, 23. They're now 24. They should have enough game time. You know, the guy who was 23 is now 26. Uh, the couple guys who, who are supposed to be the oldest senior more players, let's say you brought in a bunch of 27-year-olds, they're now the more um, solid players on the team, on the roster. So you should have a, a bunch of, you know, seasoned vets at that point. Nothing happens, bro. But I, but that's where I, I'll retort and say I think it depends on where the country is in its cycle, and more specifically, mm-hmm. I think it comes down to how good that country is in a, in a matter of fact, from producing that talent. Right? If you're a Brazil, the Olympic medal only really matters to you because it's the last male tournament you haven't won. But if you win or lose, it's not going to make or break you, right? For because it's not going to be like oh this is a step in this nation's program. If Canada, if the men's team had won the gold the gold medal, oh it's a different conversation for them because it's okay they've beaten players now. Granted they have world class at least one world class we can agree on uh, player on their team, and then um, others kind of Canada. Yeah, I don't I I have a very distinct definition of world class and that's and we'll, we'll discuss this another day but they have a top we'll we'll change it to top level player not world sure. class yeah right i i consider him a prospect i don't consider him a top player okay no that's fair yeah I, like, I think i i genuinely think he is going to be a world class player mm-hmm. genuinely believe that yeah as it stands right now they're like what ten better, ten people who've had a better career at this point? More oh than yeah, 10. And that's so and I can't, I can't consider that fair. Well, no, no, that that's more than fair. 
yeah on his on his trajectory but that's fair but like yeah i think for the for canada them winning a tournament like this matters more because of where canada is in terms of a football nation versus say in argentina it's like another trophy for our trophy case if we win this it's what does this mean <laughs> we want to go we want a gold medal it means that we're progressing we, we beat these teams it means we have hope there is some sort of light at the tunnel for us if a Canada wins it, if an Egypt wins it, if an Iraq shows up and makes the finals, it says, okay, their program is looking good. This is good. But for a bigger program, it, it, didn't, it wouldn't have mattered as much. Uh, okay, I see where you're coming from. So are you are you trying to say that like it creates a winning mentality among, within the team? It's what I'm getting to for that, for, for building, yeah, that, that a winning mentality, a, a culture of success at different levels, whatever the, the sportsisms you want to use for it, it does help in doing that. But I do, I do want to keep in point that it, to me, it's like if a, if, a, if a poor man wins a lottery versus a millionaire wins a lottery, there are two different things, mm. right? If someone who makes like a hundred dollars a day and then wins the lottery for ten mil, so, it's a so different yeah. This is why I disagree with you. Okay. I legitimately think Canada can win. Uh, Canada can legitimately win a World Cup. Uh, so not a World Cup, an Olympic. An Olympic medal, yeah. Yeah, and the reason I say that. Is because when you look at their team, their team is that all, all you need is a very good coach, and you're lacking in the terms of players you who draw. fit the bill. Yeah, right. And then you win, and then you can. And okay, bare minimum, you can put yourself in the medal positions. Exactly. Right? So let's say they win a silver, whatever. Let's not forget in 2000. Was it 2003? Nigeria were pretty good. Yeah. You know. And what what happened to them? Nothing really happened to them. They never became good again. You know, yeah. they disappeared. A lot more African teams showed up. Senegal became better. Every Ghana showed, showed up. up. Ghana showed up. Egypt showed up. Mm-hmm. So just because you're just because you win in the Olympics, or you're a very good team in the Olympics, doesn't mean squat for me. It, it doesn't. So, but so if we're going to use, I think yeah. about it, it's, it's actually the development of those players. <laughs> so as you said, okay, so like. Davis, for instance, Davis will be a world elite player. I le- I personally hate the fact that he plays fullback. I wish he played wing because I think he's more interesting as a winger. Um, but they play him as fullback, so you know he's the one he made he made his own bed. He's the one who decided to go to Bayern yeah. Munich, mm-hmm. but um, he decided to do that. And that's good for him. But outside of him, for you to become a successful, like, decent World Cup winning, Gold Cup winning team, bro, you need three other players on his level to win those things. The facts of the matter is Canada cannot do anything without that. In the same thing, the same vein, when we're talking about Brazil winning the gold, so you have Neymar, who's a world-class talent. You have Richarlison, who is a 
in my opinion, superstars talent, not really world class. In my, he could be world class, but if he was, a lot of teams would have gone for him. Um, you know, he'd be a cheap alternative to a lot a lot of other guys. I like yeah. Richarlison, I really do. Um, I would take him at Mania at any point, but um, I think there's a step that he needs to get to to become the next next like big big player. Yeah. So you have Neymar, you have Richarlison, and then look at the other wing. Uh, you know, we were talking about this offline, but if you look at the other wing, they don't have anyone. Vinicius Junior is too inconsistent. Um, uh, who else? Who else is a, uh, another winger for them? Um, you know, you could put Gabriel Jesus there, and then you put Richarlison as a winger, right? So you put uh, Gabriel Jesus there. Jesus is terrible at the moment. You know, so overall, I don't think this team is good. I don't think just because they won a gold, they won a gold. This is how it feels like the Olympics. You winning a medal is like you remember, like in the Olympics for so long, Basque NBA players were not allowed to play. Yeah. Why do you think they did that? Because they wanted the game to be competitive. They really did because they knew if you take only the NBA level players. Well, guess what? It's going to be a wash. True, but I mean, even in that sense, there's debate about, like, because they had rules of what was professional and what wasn't. But the NBA was the only truly professional league. But every other league in the world that you play for wasn't considered professional. It was considered amateur. Yeah, right? but that's what that, That's mean. a whole conversation. But, if, if, but the moment they accepted the NBA, which yeah. is the best league in the world for basketball... Yeah. Which is predominantly, uh, predominantly uh, staffed by Americans. Yeah. Once you open that floodgate, like I, I remember when people were laughing at the U.S. losing a lot of exhibition games, and we had this conversation, and I said, "They have KD, bro. They do. But they had I Kevin mean... Durant. They had you can you if you if your country has." Four of the best, four of the five best players in the world. Yeah, in the world, and if if we really think about it, maybe ninety percent of the top twenty are from one country. There's no way another country is going to win. Yeah, but then you can, but by elevating that level, and I think this is where we this kind of circles back to the Olympics being good or not. Mm. Does elevating the level because you can see in basketball, yes, it took literally thirty years, but from ninety two to this year, we finally had what? No, actually, it wasn't even ninety two. Was it? Two thousand eight was probably the last time we had a legitimate compet. Was the first competitive gold medal match we've had in a while, featuring the U.S. Because that was that was the U.S. versus Spain series, right? Mm-hmm. Those two were competitive. Serbia, they were blown out. And then this year, against France, France. like the gap is closing. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. And if you bring that's that to true. a football, if you bring that to a football standpoint, does the gap close if, you always, if you're always going against the best level but Brazil, of competition? But that's the thing is Brazil is already a good team. Agreed, Brazil, but that, yeah. But them winning a goal doesn't necessarily mean that the so this is the thing. The gap between under-23 and the main football team, uh, and we discussed this, and I said, 
if you look at Brazil, yeah, the pressure to win an Olympic, uh, an, an Olympic medal, I personally think is very low. I'm pretty sure the Brazilians watch the games, and, and they were happy that they won the, the gold. Yeah, but, but the I impact don't think, I is, don't think isn't as high. If if you asked anyone who's Brazilian, would you rather take the World Cup and lose the next five Olympic uh, placings? What do they choose? They'll take the World Cup all the time, in my opinion. Every single time. So the, I, pressure, the pressure that those Brazilians face at the World mm-hmm. Cup, and, and uh, honestly, uh, Ball as, as well, I think there's significant pressure. So because there's that much pressure in those games, I don't think it's a valid one-for-one, in the sense, I, I, I personally just don't see them. Um... I don't, I, see, I don't see. Yeah. I don't see. You winning an Olympic gold does not translate to anything in the football world. In my, opinion. I think it's a good I think, yeah. And like, and that's why I said initially. I, I think it's a sliding scale of significance depending on where your country is, right? Like, for example, but, right? Uh, no, I, I would just like to understand which, what country exactly are you speaking of? Because every every football nation. Any country that has football as their number one sport will obviously want to win a cup of any kind. Yes. But if you ask them which is the cup that they care about the most, the answer is very clear. The World Cup. Yes. It's a World Cup and your regional cup, right? Euros, AFCON, Comparable, whatever it is. AFC, yeah. Whatever it is. That's what you're looking for. No, so, I. When, when I see the way I see it, mm-hmm. is every single team that goes into the the World Cup. I we all get excited, but I'll be honest with you. I can remind. I can remember every single African team that's done well in you know in the World Cup, going back to like the nineties, right? Yeah. And yes. I know Nigeria won in ninety. Uh, what was it, ninety six Olympics or whatever it was? Yeah. With Kanu and Okocha and all those guys, and that was an amazing team. Yeah. But outside of those, like, like that's the thing, bro. That's what I mean. Is those are unique. Like if Japan won the gold, that's a unique situation, you know. But does it build on anything? I don't think so. I think it. I I'll argue it does. It helps you build toward it because, as we said earlier, it's another opportunity for you to build. It's another tournament. It's another. It's other experience that you can play. That's why things like Nations League, they aren't the end all and be all, but it's another opportunity for the teams to kind of work, right? I always, be, you know me, I'm Ghanaian. I will always refer back to Ghana, 2004. They make the the Olympics. What did yeah. they do? They tied, won, and lost. They didn't make it out of the group stage. Okay, they didn't win. But who are the people on their team? Who are the key members? You have John Mensah, who's playing in Italy at that point. John Pansel. You have Stephen Apia, who's at Juve at that point. You have Derek Watson, and then you have Osama Jean, who are on that team. Two years later, that core, with the emergence of an Anessian who go up, that's the World Cup. Yeah, but, then, but that's a, but you, you see, you're, but you're ignoring the fact that the, one of the more important players in Essien 
wasn't involved in our team. And if you look at it, if you look at it very carefully, um, just as I was saying, it's not a linear, it's not a linear thing for how players evolve and how players get better, right? For no. some people, it's very clear this guy's going to be, you know, an amazing player and he yeah. becomes an amazing player. But majority of the time, it's usually it ebbs and flows, right? Like there's some people that you think are good, they never become good. Uh, you, I like the way you say all of that stuff, right? I remember when when a lot of people said, Andrea, you was the better of the two brothers. No, he isn't. Uh, no, Andre, you meant Jordan. No, no, Jordan. I mean Jordan. I people didn't believe. Thought, I was not one of those people. thought Jordan was better than Andre. And I, I you know, I believe the hype because, I'd, uh, you know, the first time I saw him, he looked amazing. Career-wise, Andre is definitely the better player. You could definitely tell Andre is easily the better player, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's because these people saw, like, specific things about uh, Jordan that made him look good. They, they, it was a, they didn't really look at the overall picture of him, okay? So and the reason why I'm bringing this back to the Olympics is, again, I keep saying this, it's an under-23 tournament. So yeah. if you're, if you're, and the thing that's interesting, excuse that's me, you. it's an under, excuse me, but it's an under-23 tournament. But if you technically look at it, it's an under-23 tournament that has senior players allowed to play in it. So yes. if you if you heavily stacked as a country, okay? Yeah. If you have some really excellent players, like say Brazil has some really excellent players that could play the under twenty three, right? Mm-hmm. And you just add them to the team and they make them an exciting team and it looks good. I still ask the question, in five years time, are Brazil going to challenge for the World Cup? And by challenge, I mean be in the semifinals, the last, the best four teams. I would ask you that question. In the, the next answer, five years? In the next five years, are they going to be a contender for the World Cup, a legitimate contender? By name proxy, you'd assume yes, but by the performance... By performance, you wouldn't say, you, you couldn't, yeah. because this is the thing. Let's break it down. In the next five years, England will still be there. Yes. In the next five years, um, who else? Who else was good in this Olympic? Who, uh, so you have Italy, you have yes. England, you have uh, was in the last four. You have Spain, yes, and then you have the perennial French players. You have the perennial. Um, uh, I think personally, I would say outside of, yeah, I think it could make the top four. Because I think they would break into that top four mold. Because I I think they're better than Denmark. Yeah. I honestly do. Um, so they come in. They come into that fray. But this is the issue. Whenever it comes to things like World Cups, there's so many asterisks involved. There's that team that just comes into form at the right time. Yes. At no one, when Croatia got to where it got when they reached the semifinals. No one thought they would reach the semifinals outside of maybe Croatian people. Yeah. But like, if you but then once you look at the team, you go, "We're idiots. They should have reached the finals. They had the best midfield in the whole tournament." Yeah. They should have reached the final. So, uh, but then remember, they reached the final with a bunch of the 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 midfielders in their thirties. 
So they definitely weren't involved in the under-23s because no. they got better at the later stages of their career. So because form and, and prime uh, and peak playing time is so wavy. Are, yeah, they're so varied, and there's so yeah. much variance within it. So I, I think, and that's why I'll go back and say, I think it's a sliding scale of importance depending on where your players are there, right? If you're mm-hmm. a country who's trying to emerge like a Canada like the U.S., right? Another opportunity for them to play together because their top players are so young should be valued. But for a team like Brazil, who is always developing them, yes, it's important, but they aren't going to take the highest significance as, say, a U.S. or a Canada would. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's where I'll be like, especially, well, specifically for the men's, because the women, it's like it's it's they only have what two tournaments at this point. Their national tournaments aren't really as big as like confederation tournaments for women aren't as big as the as the men's ones. So you really only have the World Cup and the Olympics. So it matters more for women there, I would say. Yeah, I think for the the women's is a, a lot more. Uh, it's a lot better because they they don't have the same restrictions as the men. Yeah. So the women's is legit. So if in the women, if if it, if a it woman is legit, wins, the, yeah. The only thing I would say is because they're the women also have four less teams because the women it's only twelve teams while the men's tournament is sixteen. But the only issue with that is like if you add more teams, a la continental limits and caps. The quality will go down because the top teams, realistically, outside of the European teams, are U.S., Canada, Brazil, and Australia. There's there hasn't been a standout African team, women's wise, in a long time, if ever. So to open up the field for that, which would be interesting, but if you open up the field, then if you're at peace with saying we're taking the top teams, because for Olympic qualifying, for the most part, for some tournaments, it's literally if you finish top two in your confederation at the World Cup, you get an automatic qualification for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So because all Canada has to do is not be as bad as a Mexico. That, mm-hmm. that, that's not hard at the Olympics. I mean, at, at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, I think, yeah, it's definitely better, but could it be better? That's a that's an interesting question. Because then you're you're literally just playing with who do you, if you had more teams, take away yeah, the quote unquote the spirit of competitive, right? Water down the, exactly. I, I do think you should you should add more teams. Um, I think this Euros was so good in, in yeah. general. Uh, and uh, I personally I personally like the idea of you know being a um, being an interest like I don't know I like the idea but yeah you like the idea but we'll see I think I yeah. think I think you should have more competition for the women I think that's how you'll improve it but I think with the women you need it this it's a it's a matter of time um, yeah so Time and growth, I would say. I think over over a longer period of time, you'll notice it. Yeah. 
I think ideally, if because like in a perfect world, the Olympics is just the U23 tournament in the cycle, and you run it that way. But I don't think people would really pay attention to it as much without the national teams there. Right. Because like the big draw for Canada was like, is this the last time? Is this our last chance to get Christine Sinclair uh, a championship in something? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that was a draw for Canadians. Mm-hmm. Versus if this was a U23, it would just be, okay, Grosso, um, Jordan Heidema. Like, what, what else do we have coming down the pipe with them? So I think definitely from a narrative standpoint, it does help making it more for the national and just the senior teams there. Did you watch much of the women's tournament? I watched, uh, I'll be honest, I just watched the end. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't feel... Um, what's it called? There's nothing that genuinely. Uh, I like watching the world, the female World Cup, the women's. Yeah. World. I genuinely love watching the women's World Cup. I think it's really cool. Um, the the Olymp. I I don't know, what because I'm I'm an Olympics fan, so I watch. Yes. I'd rather watch other things. There are more no, that's fair. interesting random stuff to watch in the Olympics. Might be yeah. javelin and and yeah, the track know, and field, and ha- yeah. the track and field stuff. Uh, it's more interesting to me. I will, um, yeah, on the Olympics, as I told you, it's Kenya weird. I, had the I, I best pers- jerseys. Period. Sorry? Best kits. Uh, I don't, yeah. don't talk about rugby. That's, that's I'm just saying they're they're oh they're the the scheme for everything. The, not just talk. their rugby kits was <laughs> was nice. I looked at it like, yeah, that looks nice. I would want a Kenyan rugby kit right now. I completely forgot about how how we sucked in that. Like, dude, that's where uh, that was was insulting in my opinion. (laughs) We played like trash. Yeah, you guys didn't perform well. We performed terribly. We played a stupid team, in my opinion. Yeah. But sevens there is interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like and that's the thing with the Olympics. There's so much more to watch where you'd be like, yeah, let me watch competitive swimming. Let's see how this goes this year. Mm. Whereas I think my favorite part of the Olympics was literally we watched, I watched the 400 meter free uh, final, which was won by a Tunisian who are, do have some history in middle distance, but literally their cheering section was the coach. And like every other team that was there had like full, their whole like swim program there. And it was just like one Tunisian coach just cheering on this guy. And I was just like, this, this warms my heart. It warms my heart so much. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Yeah. No, I think we're gonna no definitely, yeah. And we then... should, because that's a lot of... I'll record an intro.